are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Eagles is brought to you by the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It's Built Bar. Head over to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off on your next order. What's up, Eagles fans? Welcome into another edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. It's Locked On Eagles, as always, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Monday edition of the show. It's the first show since the conclusion of the 2021 NFL Draft. Shout out to all the fans that checked out Gino and I's content throughout the last four months, right? The rankings, the mock draft Mondays, the my guy talk, the quarterback debates going back and forth between cornerback prospects and receivers. And then we did a live show on Thursday for four hours that 500 of you tuned into, which might not seem like a lot to some considering different platforms get millions of viewers, right? But the fact that Gino and I had that many people choose us to watch the draft with was honestly a dream come true. And to hear some of you from Australia tuning in and Brazil and Denmark and Scotland and Canada and across the United States, like it's a dream come true. I would be doing this for free, even if nobody was listening. It's what I've been doing since really, I mean, again, I'm only 23. So like 2010 kind of ages me. But the fact that now we have that many people that want to ride that journey with us, it really is a dream come true. So I just want to say to everybody that checked out our stuff over the weekend with our live shows on Thursday and Friday, all our Locked On Now videos, our spots on Fox 43, my articles as well, all the tweets that you guys interacted with. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. From the bottom of Gino and I's hearts, it was incredible. Actually, last week was the most downloads our podcast has ever had since me and Gino started up taking over for Ben Solak and Michael Kist in 2018. So here's to the last three drafts, and here's to another one that's going to be very exciting in 2022 with the Philadelphia Eagles. Coming up on today's edition of the show, guys, I want to get into draft grades because that's the theme of the week after the draft. You take a look back, you get really irresponsible, and you say how a team did, which is a ridiculous concept considering not a single one of these players has touched the football field or doubt even seen a playbook yet, right? I'm sure the quarterbacks, Justin Fields, is getting into it in Chicago, and I'm sure Devontae Smith is talking to Nick Sirianni about routes and different stuff, but you know, draft grading is, it's kind of like the win loss predictions right when the NFL schedule comes out, but you love doing it. And by the way, we're going to do that when the schedule comes out. I think it's next week. So it's an irresponsible exercise, but it's also entertaining. And you can't really, again, officially decide how a team did in the draft the week after you have to, it's a year over year process, right? We're just starting to look back at the 2017 class and 2018 and say how they did, but you can in a vacuum, see how they did when it comes to the guys consensus rankings, you know, value where you thought people were on the board, how they did at least before everybody hits the field. And I want to get into it today because it was kind of a mixed bag for me. I think most people are going to say that I may be lower on this draft than most, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't excited about a lot of what they did. Again, it's it's certainly a mixed bag for me. Like there are things that I love about the class and what Howie Roseman did, but there's also some stuff that I probably would have took uh, in a different direction. And so that's what I'm going to get into on today's edition of Lockdown Eagles. And today in segment one, we'll start with the good. 
I mean, there was a lot of good in this 2021 class, and that starts with day one. I mean, you guys saw the reactions of Geno and I when the Eagles moved up from 12 to 10 to take Heisman winning Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith. We were over the moon. I didn't even cheer that hard last year when the Eagles completed the dream over the nightmare, which was passing. And again, now it sounds terrible because of how good Justin Jefferson was, but I was terrified they were going to take Jefferson and they took Jalen Rager out of left field. And I did not expect that. And then this year, honestly, I was even more pumped for Devonte Smith. And so the fact that you moved down from the sixth overall pick, collecting a first round pick in 2022 from the Miami dolphins and all you have to give up to get from 12 to 10 is your 84th overall pick in the third round. For a Heisman winner, I mean, that value is incredible. So essentially what you got, instead of taking like Jalen Waddell, who went sixth overall to Miami, instead of taking Jalen Waddell at six and you keep that second, third round pick you had, you instead get Devontae Smith in a first. So Miami got Jalen Waddell. The Eagles would have got Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith in a third. Instead, they still get the guy they probably would have took at six anyway, considering Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase were off the board at four and five. So you get the same prospect, and you collect a first-round pick. You move up from this year's third round to 2022's first round. That is a haul. That's a genius move by Howie Roseman. He read the board the board right when he moved down and when he moved back up, knowing the New York Giants were going to take him, and that was incredible because you guys know I think Smith is the best prospect the Eagles have drafted at wide receiver ever coming out of college, right? I mean, they took Jeremy Macklin in the first round of 2009. Deshaun Jackson coming out of Cal was electric in 2008. You look at in the past two, like, you know, Harold Carmichael and Mike Quick and, you know, Chris Carter, all these different guys. I think Devontae is easily the best prospect ever the Eagles have drafted coming out of college. He is what this team has been missing. It's what Carson Wentz was missing, and it's what's going to help their quarterback now in Jalen Hurts or their future quarterback if Hurts does not get it done. Smith, we know the impact he's going to have on the quarterback, on Nick Sirianni's play calls, on Jalen Rager's development, on Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders. Having that kind of guy is going to change everything for you. And the fact that you got him and a first-round pick only for a third is awesome. So that's the part that I love about the class. Day one was a home run for the Eagles. It was an A-plus move in a vacuum, right? And I also like in day two, although I didn't love the Landon Dickerson pick, the center out of Alabama, in the second round at 37th overall, I do love the philosophy that they went with. They're going to continue to build a good support system for their eventual franchise quarterback by getting, again, Devontae Smith and their heir apparent to Jason Kelsey in Dickerson. Because I was concerned that you look at this team They have been enamored with passing the football, right? Jeffrey Lurie doesn't want to just win. He wants to win being an elite passing football team. So they prioritize the offensive line. They prioritize weapons and quarterback. But then when you get rid of Carson Wentz and you seemingly commit to Jalen Hurts and you maybe pass on a receiver in the first round, I didn't know what they were going to do. Maybe this team was going to just go with you know, a defensive lineman like Quiddy Pay, and then I'm thinking, okay, is this team going backwards? They're going to become Baltimore's offense where they're running the ball 30-plus times a game with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders, and so you can't throw the football to win games, and you're not going to be able to defend passing the football either because you have no cornerbacks. But this team did make me feel better about knowing they still have the same philosophy when it comes to roster building, and that's represented by the Devontae Smith pick and Landon Dickerson. So the philosophy of why they took Dickerson, I love. And he would have been a top 20 pick 
He only had four quarterback hurries allowed last year. This was a stud on the interior. Of course, the injuries dropped him to 37. And center is the eventual hole we know is a definite up front, right? There could be a lot of holes. Brandon Brooks could get traded or get hurt again. Lane Johnson could get hurt again at right tackle. Jordan Maialata and or Andre Dillard could show that they're not the answer at left tackle. But at the same time, Brooks and Johnson could still be long-term pieces. Maialata or Dillard, I think, is going to pan out. Sayamalu is solid at left guard. So that's why I didn't love going all in on the offensive line instead of like cornerback or linebacker or safety. But at least they did take the position on the line that you know you're going to have a hole coming up. Jason Kelsey is not going to play two, three more seasons. He's been mulling retirement every year now for the last like four years. So he And I thought he was going to do it this year. So I think 2022, you're going to need a starting center. And so if they were going to go offensive line, which I wouldn't have, but if they were going to, I'm glad that they went with the position that does have the biggest long-term hole. And so in that way, I also like the philosophy of what they did in the second round. And again, I understand the trenches philosophy. I mean, you're starting a new rebuild. And how do you do that? You start with your coaches. You start with the quarterback position. And you start in the trenches. That's what Howie Roseman even said it. This team has won championships because they take the offensive and defensive line more serious than maybe anything. So again, it's the meat and potatoes, as I said, right on Friday's podcast. I don't love it, but I do understand it. So those are all things that I take in a positive way from this draft. And then you look at on day one and day two. And then you look at day three. I thought Zach McPherson, the only cornerback you took in the fourth round out of Texas Tech, is good value from what I'm seeing from experts like Daniel Jeremiah, who said McPherson was a top 100 prospect for him. So the fact that you get him in the fourth round is pretty enticing, considering McPherson, the big stat that jumped out to me, he had the, over the last two seasons, McPherson had the third highest grade against Power 5 wide receivers, and he was in really impressive company. The top cornerbacks in this class and next class, Patrick Sertain of Alabama, who was the ninth overall pick to Denver. Caleb Farley was on that top five list as well. To me, it was going to be CB1 this year coming out of VT if he didn't get injured. And then Derek Stingley out of LSU next year is going to be a top five, top seven pick, right? He's probably CB1 in the 2022 class. And you got a guy in the fourth round in Zach McPherson, who was right there in terms of PFF grades against power five receivers over the last two seasons. So I think that was good value as well. He's not the corner I wanted. I don't think he's going to be your CB1 of the future, but you didn't just need cornerback help up top. You need depth short-term and long-term. And I do think McPherson will at least be a reliable backup at the NFL level, maybe a starting slot guy, or maybe a a good, reliable CB2. Who knows? Maybe he is the steal of the draft and he becomes your CB1. But I thought value-wise, McPherson was great. And so was the Kenneth Gainwell pick in the fifth round. I cannot believe Gainwell fell to the fifth round. He was my third overall ranked running back, only behind Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. The fact that you got this do-it-all weapon in the fifth round, the Naeem Himes right to the Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor for Sirianni's offense, that is extremely exciting. I think he's going to be an instant upgrade over Jordan Howard and Boston Scott. Gainwell in 2019 had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. The biggest thing that I like, 
he had 51 catches. And it's not just that he catches the football, but it's the way he does it. There's different types of receiving running backs, if you know what I mean. Like Darren Sproles, a very tiny catch radius. If you're a quarterback, you got to put it right in his numbers, like right in the chest area, because he's not going to be able to make a lot of hand catches, right? You're not going to throw Darren Sproles a, a back shoulder fade. Whereas Kenneth Gainwell, He's not built super large. He's not the tallest guy in the world, but he catches the ball and his receiving skills remind you more of a receiver than a running back. Like he goes up and high points the football. He's got a much larger catch radius than some of the past Eagles receiving running backs. I think they're going to use him honestly in the slot a lot. You're going to rotate guys inside and out. And I think Gainwell is going to have a role inside. So that's very exciting, the creativity you can have with Gainwell and Miles Sanders, maybe on the field at the same time. Some more impressive numbers from Gainwell, by the way. He led all draft-eligible running backs in receiving yards in 2019 with 610. He had the most tackles missed, or the missed tackles forced. He led all eligible running backs with 20. Second most in receptions with 51, and second most in explosive plays with 14. So you're getting an all-around weapon in the fifth round. So a lot of that stuff applauded by the national media, applauded by local media, applauded by fans and Gino and I alike. But there are some issues I have with this class that gives it a B grade rather than an A. And I'll get into that coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by Nugenics. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America, to get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by testophen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now, and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Once again, text DRAFT to 231-231. That's draft to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, today's show is also sponsored by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week had a ton of sports action on the go with the NFL Draft and the Kentucky Derby. The first leg of the Triple Crown was last weekend. Get all the news you need, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. All right, Eagles fans, Louis DiBiase on this Monday edition of Locked on Eagles. We are officially in the dead zone as the 2021 NFL Draft has concluded. But obviously the week after the draft, you're still deep into draft talk as now we evaluate the work that the Eagles did in the 2021 class on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I got into a lot of the positives, right, in segment one, getting Devontae Smith and the value that you got him at, right? Taking Landon Dickerson to potentially be your long-term center. 
great value picks on day three in Zach McPherson and Kenneth Gainwell. And I didn't even mention Milton Williams, the third round pick, the defensive tackle slash end out of Louisiana Tech. That would not have been my pick, but he does give me Charles Amenihu vibes, a versatile guy, a Michael Bennett, if you will, or Brandon Graham that can play on the edge on first and second down. That's going to be a great pass rusher, I think, on the interior in third downs, so you could say that that pick is also part of the positives for the Eagles. At the same time, however, there are some things that I took issue with that I was frustrated about with this class. And again, if the Dickerson move pans out in the second round alone, you likely got a wide receiver one and long-term center in the first two rounds. You didn't take the risk with DK Metcalf and it backfired. Maybe this time it'll work with Dickerson. However, I'm still nervous about the Dickerson pick because you did take that risk with Sidney Jones in 2017 because the value was too good, right? Dickerson and Jones, both sure thing first round picks, maybe top at their position if it wasn't for these injuries. And so you take that chance that they get healthy and you boom, you just got a second. The logic makes perfect sense. You just got a top 15 prospect with the 37th overall pick or whatever the pick was in 2017. I think it was in the 50s, right? But that move backfired. Sidney Jones never was the same after tearing his Achilles at his Washington Pro Day. And so, yes, Dickerson's an offensive lineman. It's going to make it easier for him to come back from multiple torn ACLs, ligament damage, right soft tissue injuries. Like Sidney Jones, is a lot harder for a cornerback than a center to bounce back from that, considering the move skills you need for both positions. But I'm still worried, man. It doesn't matter what position you are. If you've suffered multiple torn ACLs, and ankle injuries, multiple injuries to both ankles. It was a consistent theme year after year with Dickerson was that he was getting hurt. He was extremely talented. He could play center and guard, but he would get hurt a lot. And so the risk might pay off and boom, you have your heir apparent to Jason Kelsey, but there is no guarantee. And that makes me nervous because again, that's the position on the offensive line. You have a hole at coming. And again, you do have Isaac Sayamalu, though, as some insurance, but it was a risky pick, especially considering they took Dickerson over some talent that I loved at positions that you have more of an immediate need and potential long-term need. Because again, you have Isaac Sayamalu that could play center. What do you have at cornerback right now long-term? What do you have still at safety and linebacker? You still don't know anything there. So the fact that they took Dickerson over talent like Asante Samuel Jr., and Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa from Notre Dame. That's part of what makes me more nervous about this pick because you not only took a chance on Dickerson's injuries, but you passed on some other potential core pieces that I thought were first round talents. Owusu Koromoa and Asante Samuel Jr., especially, who I think the Chargers stole at what, like 47th overall? I thought it was an absolute steal. So that's part of what I was frustrated about too. The, the other thing is I hate this whole we stuck to our board justification when it comes to not taking cornerback early. That part bothers me. And it's, again, I understand not reaching on a short-term need if a prospect at that position is like 20 spots below your best player available. I'm not saying reach and take a Danny Watkins because you need a guard. But at the same time, there's a little bit of hypocrisy when it comes to draft philosophy, need versus best player available. I see a lot of people, media analysts, scouts, coaches, you know, GMs say this all the time that you build through the draft, but then people think you're crazy for suggesting addressing the biggest potential short and long-term needs through the class. 
with a player that might be, yeah, a little bit below your best player available, but how much lower was Asante Samuel on your list compared to Landon Dickerson? Like, why shouldn't teams want long-term help with four to five inexpensive years on your contract? Why would you, why would you not want to fit a need through the draft rather than why is it okay to overpay in free agency to fill a need? Isn't that as irresponsible? Like, I hate that when people say free agency is for need. Okay, well then, what happened to the 2011 Eagles? Why didn't the 2011 Eagles win a Super Bowl? And wouldn't you also argue that taking the best player available blindly, regardless of position, is as irresponsible? Like, if you had three really good long-term tackles, if you just take a tackle because he's the top guy in your list, isn't that as irresponsible? Like, again, I'm not saying go 30 spots below on your rankings, but if it's like a two to six spot difference and you need cornerback, not just saying short-term, but long-term, way more, then you should be allowed to take a corner. I just, I don't really understand that. You can't always stick to your board. What happens if the best player available in 2022 also isn't a cornerback in either of the first two rounds? Are you just never going to address this position unless it's through another avenue, like free agency or through trades? I just, I don't like, I don't understand that logic that some people continue to stress like, oh, always best player available. And guess what? The Eagles didn't even do that anyway. Teams lie all the time. Nobody just takes best player available, top guy on the board blindly all the time. Nobody does that. Even the Landon Dickerson pick, that was a need pick. I mean, that was a need. It might be the, one of the biggest needs on the team because you know that Jason Kelsey is going to retire next year. So don't even tell me that was best. Like Howie Roseman, don't tell me you stuck to your board with that pick. I mean, maybe the Milton Williams pick was sticking to your board, but you can, nobody just drafts with no need in mind. Yeah, short-term, long-term, there's different, you know, discussions here, but it's not, it's again, I did a whole podcast on it. It's not this black and white thing when it comes to best player available versus need. There's so much to it. And I just, I hate when people say they did right because they went BPA. I just, I don't accept the, that justification, especially considering you look at those second and third round picks, there was talent at those other positions that you weren't reaching for, for a need. Asante Samuel would not have been a reach. Ifiadu, Melon Fanwu, or Paulson Adebo, those guys were not going to be reaches on day two. So I disagree that just because the position was a bigger need doesn't mean just because you took that position, it was a reach. There were good players on the board. So... Again, I get the trench priorities and the long-term rebuild allows you to address corner two in 2022. You have a ton of picks, but my God, cornerback has been such an issue for so long and I just want to get it corrected. They need top talent bad and they need depth really bad, short-term and long-term. So those are some of the frustrations of this class. I also thought they took way too many defensive linemen and the fact that they took multiple defensive tackles in one of the worst defensive tackle classes ever is frustrating. Like, again, I know you build through the trenches and out, but, you know, and again, again, you have the 2022 class, so it's not over. This is a long-term rebuild. But I think they went over the top with the defensive line. I thought you needed, because again, you needed depth. After day two, I wasn't expecting to find your CB1 or your top safety of the future, but the fact that you only took one corner and no safeties at all, just, it's, it's a bit frustrating to me. And so... I just thought they went a little too overboard with being in the trenches. The biggest reason it's only a B grade for me, though, 
is what I'm going to get into coming up next. I've got one more segment for you here on this Monday edition of Locked on Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. 18 amazing flavors. You've got 12 of the original and six new ones. Some of the new ones are Cherry Barcia and Caramel Brownie, Carrot Cake. For me, it's also Peanut Butter Brownie OG that I love, the Orange Chocolate, Banana Bread, Peanut Butter, you name it. They are all available at Built Bar. It's covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Only 180 calories in every bar and 19 grams of protein. Make sure you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Once again, that's LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Eagles fans, we are wrapping up this Monday edition of Locked on Eagles. Louis DiBiase here getting into the 2021 class, kind of recapping and taking a look back at what I thought the Eagles did right, what I thought they did wrong, or what I had an issue with when it comes to them justifying certain picks or justifying not taking certain positions. Um, It was a lot of what they did was A+. But a lot of what they did too, there were some C's, there were some D's, at least philosophically, that brought it down for a B to me. The Dickerson risk, right, with the injuries, passing on some top talent that I loved on the second and third level of the defenses. Um, another part of this too is just taking too many defensive linemen and prospects that I didn't really love. Again, I'm, I'm not a big high motor guy is the first trait that you talk about. But a lot of people say that the prospects they got on day three, it's all about motor. And I don't know, that's kind of an issue to me. So there's a lot of those things that brought it down to a B. There's also a couple more things. One was the whole, you know, war room beef between Howie Roseman and Tom Donahoe. That to me again, and it happens in every draft room, but the fact that it was a scout going against Howie Roseman and the fact that the analytics people are happy in the background was concerning that we kind of got an inside look at that athletic story. So it was a bad look there for the Milton Williams pick, which is the pick that I didn't really expect the most. But the biggest reason it's only a B is because they passed on Justin Fields in round one. And again, in a vacuum, the Smith move was genius, and you saw how pumped I was. But that was me working off the idea that quarterback wasn't even on the table. I was certainly disappointed that they passed on Fields because the fact that you moved down at 12 and then you moved up at 10 and all you had to give up was a third for Justin Fields, as it was getting Devontae Smith, that, man, you could have three first-round picks to build around Justin Fields next year. Again, I think Jalen Hurts can be the guy, but I think Justin Fields has a much better chance. And so it doesn't matter how good Devontae Smith is, if Justin Fields becomes a star in Chicago, and I think he will, and let's say Jalen Hurts doesn't pan out to be the franchise guy, let's say he's only good to average, or maybe he's bad, It won't matter how good Devontae Smith is. That decision will be something you look back at for a long time that you said we passed on this quarterback. And of course, it won't matter if you get your quarterback in 2022 or if Jalen Hurts proves he's the guy. But it's also a B right now because based on my projection of what's going to happen here, I think Hurts is going to be a top 16 quarterback, but I think Justin Fields is going to be top 10, top five at times, maybe one of the greatest in football. That's what I think his ceiling is. Whereas Hertz could be a top half quarterback of the league, but I still am concerned about that ceiling. And so I'm just very nervous that I don't want to be in a year looking back and saying, holy crap, the Eagles could have Carson Wentz who's thriving in Indianapolis. They could have Justin Fields who's killing it in Chicago with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and David Montgomery. 
right? Or they could have had maybe Trey Lance if they made a move up for the third overall pick. I don't want to, I'm nervous that we're going to be doing that in a year. And I hope not. Again, I hope Jalen Hurts makes me forget who cares what those guys are doing because Hurts is the man. Him and Devontae Smith are the guys. But right now I'll put it at a B because I thought you could get your franchise quarterback on a bargain compared to what you had to do to get him in 2016. So it might become an A. Who knows? It could be a C or D. We'll see what happens. But right now I think it's a B draft for the Eagles in 2021. That's going to do it for today's edition of Lockdown Eagles, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter after the show, Always Talking Birds, at Lockdown Birds, at DBLCLOE. And we'll see you for tomorrow's edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked On Eagles. As always, thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, and let's go, Birds.